0: Uh, I want to begin by reading from Matthew 2, verses 9 through 11. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went on ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And last week, we talked about frankincense and um, what I think the the spiritual significance of of that gift is as the the Magi come. And as I mentioned, um, this group is probably a traveling band. There's more than just three people, very likely. Um, The assumption, the reason why you often sing in songs or see in pictures that it's three people is because there's three gifts, but it's likely there are are way more uh, than that there. And we talked about how frankincense, those who would have been reading this um, in the the New Testament understanding the gift uh, that is here, would have brought memory of the, the high priest, um, who when he would go into the Holy of Holies, he would use frankincense as a main part of um, the offering, as he would give once a year. And so we thought about how Jesus is, is our new high priest, and that's part of, of this gift. And then there's gold, which is pretty obvious. We're going to talk about gold um, in a couple weeks, or I, I, next, next Sunday. And uh, no, I won't be passing out gold, sorry. I mean, this is, I know a lot of you have been traveling for the holidays, but I won't be like passing You get a gold bar, you get a gold bar. It's like an Oprah episode or something like that. We're not going to be uh, doing that. But today we're going to talk about the gift that I think um, is a little bit odd, because frankincense in that time would have been known um, as, as a healing ointment, and, and perhaps Mary would have been super excited about it, because it's like when the baby gets a little sick, put a little uh, frankincense. Uh, on Jesus, but myrrh would have been a little bit surprising. It would have been odd. And if you show up to a baby shower with myrrh, it's probably not going to be received all that well. When I think about awkward shower moments, I remember those of you, I'm not actually in the shower, uh, but um, the baby showers, the wedding showers. I was like, well, I got to recover from that one. Um, <laughs> so I I was was single when uh, the the church hired me here and Manny and I got married about a year into my ministry and uh, we had a, a wedding shower for me right across the hall in the NPR um, and they did like the newlywed game and I left the room and they asked her um, what is uh, Brian's favorite musician. And uh, at this point, the church was uh, uh, predominantly older people, which I loved working with at that point. And um, Mandy, while I was gone, apparently had said Eminem. And so I show back up into the room not knowing what she said. And I do like Eminem, uh, though his language is very salty. I wouldn't say he's my favorite. But I show up and they ask me, you know, what what did Mandy say? Who was your favorite musical artist? And I said, I don't know, DC Talk or something. And... uh, (laughs) And then they said, she actually said, Eminem, and I looked at her like, what on earth are you doing? Are you trying to get me fired? I mean, like, luckily, I don't think most of the room knew who Eminem uh, was. Another um, shower story was actually a baby shower. I had a a friend, and I I really give a lot of love to any um, ladies who've had to open gifts in front of people at a baby shower. Like, man, that's hard to do. Uh, But I, I thought that it would be funny. I put a secret gift in for my friend 's baby shower, um, and it was again at the church cross hall in the npr there 's about forty ladies in there, and she was opening gifts and she opens this one and has to be excited or pretend to be excited about it. There should be a picture Yeah, there we go. Um, so I just had wrapped this gift like it was actually from somebody, and she opens up like this this microwave cookbook and has no idea what to do and has to pretend like she's excited about it. And I really love this picture specifically because, like, can you really microwave a turkey? I don't, I don't even know. And it looks pretty good, but I don't know how you, you pull that off. So she had, I, I wasn't there to see it, but apparently she was like, uh, thank you to whoever gave me this microwave cookbook. So that would have been like getting myrrh. Like, what, 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 are, like, what are you doing? Like, because myrrh, if you don't know, in that time, it, it was used to prepare a body for burial. Later in the Gospel of John, it tells us this. Joseph of Arimathea asked for Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. So again, this is at the end of the story of Jesus and Joseph of Arimathea. He brings myrrh because it's what's used to prepare a body for burial. And so just imagine that Mary and Joseph, I think the gold makes some sense, the frankincense makes some sense, but the myrrh? Why myrrh? I think it tells us an important story, though, that even as Jesus comes to earth, he's preparing to die. And that's significant and important, and I actually think hopeful, even though it's odd. My friend uh, lives in Northern California. He's a pastor, and he has five daughters. And he says people just so often come up to him, even random people on the street, and they just say, like, it's going to be a nightmare when they're teenagers. And he's like, yes, I already know that. I'm prepared. Like, please don't like, in, just tell me about doom that's off uh, in, in the future. But that's what this gift is. It's a reminder that Jesus came to die. And ultimately, I think that is so hopeful because whatever ways that we face death, we have hope. Because Jesus died. I think about John 3:16, which is probably the most popular in all of Scripture, that, that God came into the world, that God was a gift, that God was given over. So that we might have eternal life. And I think as you read through the New Testament, you see just how seriously the earliest followers of Jesus took this. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the four gospel accounts of of Jesus. And then you have the book of Acts which is called, the long version is called the Acts of the Apostles. But really, I've heard it said better that you should call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit because this church is unbelievable. Like what they are doing, how they're acting, the way that they they face death, something has dramatically changed. And they live like, what's the worst that could happen? Are you going to kill me? Because Jesus has overcome death. And it's unbelievable to see what happens when, when a group of Christians and believers just deeply believes this in their bones. But I think we can be so familiar with this story that we somewhat take it for granted. We don't really think about just how powerful it is, how important it is, how important it is for us to continue to dwell on it and think about it. There was a poll in 2021 um, of the U.S. and 68% of people in the United States said that they believe that Jesus raised from the dead. 68%. That seems high, but almost 70% said they believe that Jesus raised from the dead in the United States. And I have to ask of myself, like, okay, if that's true, then what does it mean? How does my life look different? How do I face the difficulties of life sometimes with the reality that Jesus came to earth to die? There's a famous theologian, uh, who is is in the UK. And uh, he, he says, I mean, he gets a chance to speak to churches all the time. His name is N.T. Wright. Um, and he says this, he says, everywhere the new Christians went, a riot broke out, like in the book of Acts. Wherever I go, they serve tea. Wherever, like, the people learned first about Jesus and thought about the fact that he was raised from the dead, like, crazy thing starts to happen. But wherever I go, like, they just serve tea and they sip on it and go, oh, great point. Thanks, um, Tom. That's what they call him over there. Thank you for that, that theological point. But like, it, it doesn't necessarily change enough of what I think we need to have changed in us. Because Christ came to earth to die. And to show us that the worst thing in human history, someone innocently dying, can become the best thing. Christ's death changes everything. And in his life, we see him struggling with a lot of different things. We see him struggling with, with family. I think of the Gospel of Mark, how they say his family says that Jesus is out of his mind. He struggles with a group of people who just don't get him, even though he tries to teach them again and again. And again, he struggles with loneliness, with with isolation, with anxiety, with fear. But ultimately, he dies. Because his death changes everything. There's a pastor who says this this way. He says, that which we can say so easily and casually, that God so loved the world that he allowed his son to die, was so amazing that no one single person who walked and lived with Jesus for three years could grasp it. And those of us living 2,000 years later, we still struggle with the same thing. What does it mean? And how do I continue to to tune my heart in, in such a direction that I would live like the tomb is empty? That I would live like Jesus came to die? Because it's a weird baby shower gift to get myrrh. But it's so profound. Cause Jesus came to die. There's a couple of very popular Christmas movies that I think help us think about this. How many of you have watched It's a Wonderful Life during this holiday season? Anybody? A couple of people? That's a, it's a good one. Um, and uh, it, what's interesting about that movie is it came out just a couple years after World War II. So as you think about, obviously, like what we've dealt with as a nation over the last few years, you think about a nation um, grappling with with the nature of of good and evil, a nation that has dealt with a whole lot of of death, and like having to go through something like World War II, I think it's a wonderful life, just to put that in a little bit of context. There's a lot of dark themes in that movie, right? It's it's a movie um, about like really like looking into the darkness of of your own life, the darkness that you feel like is in the world, and, and at times feeling like it's just time to give up. And it comes right during World War II. A more contemporary movie, Elf. How many of you seen Elf this year? A few more Elf people than It's a Wonderful Life. Elf uh, was filmed in New York a year after 9-11. And there was some debate is to, like, can we, like, film this goofy and weird, strange? Can we have somebody, you know, running around, in, a grown man running around in tights in New York City um, after this? Like, can, can we do this? And uh, there's always in those type of things, like, debates about how, how, how to do this. And there was a New York City council person um, who, who said this about filming Elf. Um, we really need this film, and we need it to be filmed in New York City. Our people in the city need this film. We need to be able to laugh. We need to celebrate. We need to remember what it means to be a human being. We need joy. So interesting that two of these movies, which have such deep meaning to us, during the Christmas season, are movies when people had really grappled with, you know, what, what's the meaning of life? What does it mean to see like the reality of, of death, of World War II and, and, and 9-11 and to, to still like be realistic about that and understand that it's not going to be ever like easy or okay, but I'm going to look into the darkness and, and just choose to believe that there's light. So yeah, let Wolf Ferrell run around the city in tights. Let's do it. <laughs> because we need to look at the reality of life and recognize that there's light. We need to look at the reality of of the lives that we live in and to, to face it wholeheartedly knowing that it's not going to be easy to believe this all the time. But Jesus came to die so that the worst thing is never the last thing. I love driving around during the holiday season and seeing all the decorations. It seems like people get more and more into it um, every year and seeing the, the lights that, that are on people's houses and the lights that we hang up during this time of year. is just it's a simple reminder that during the time when it is dark and as cold as it's going to get in California, it's been cold here lately, everybody, we're trying to survive. Um, and as, as, as dark and, and as cold as it gets during the, the December season, we recognize that there's still light. So look around and see the light that even in the darkness, light can shine. And I know that this has been something that I've experienced in my life. Some of the the most difficult things that I wish I didn't have to go through, God has used. And sometimes it's taken years and sometimes it's taken some perspectives. And I wish I didn't have to go through those things to learn those things. And I don't wish anybody had to experience them, but God has resurrected some of that dark stuff in me, partly because I've chosen, and part of it is my profession, I've chosen to walk with a community during all those times. And so I'm able to, to get strength and support from people beyond myself. I'm able to talk to people who said, yeah, I was there five years ago. Let me give you the next three steps and then come back in a few weeks when you need three more. And I know that there's times in my life when I have seen the resurrecting power of God in times that, again, that were dark and they were difficult. But the worst thing is never the last thing. And if you haven't experienced some of those things yet, I, I turned 40 today, and so some of you are like, wow, no wonder it's such a dark sermon. Um, but in, in reality, like, we, we, as, we, as we experience like the realities of life, when, when sometimes, honestly, it's overwhelming, this is why we need communities and groups of people who sometimes are going to be a little bit further down the road and sometimes just are the ones who can, can sing for us. Who can remind us to look to hope. Who can remind us that from the very beginning, the story of Jesus is that he came to die. and We need to be reminded of that. About a month and a half ago, there was somebody who came to church during the week and uh, he was asking for some help. His, his mom is in her 90s, and she lives just a few blocks from here. And he asked if I could come and, and visit with her. And she was a longtime member of, of a Church of Christ in, in Texas, and he asked if I could just come and, and see her. And so I started going every couple weeks to sit with Sadie. Uh, she's 92, and they don't know exactly how much longer she has. And I've been around those types of situations before. And even for those of us who've maybe been Christians for our entire lives, when like, your body starts to go, it's hard. And even if you've believed in the death and resurrection, of Jesus, even if you've tried your best to, to pattern your life, when you're actually in that moment, it's hard. And what I've found, I I read some passages with her. I talk with her. But what's most profound is just when I sing with her. And I'm singing some words and her mouth is is moving along with these words that she's sung forever. Now it's hard to believe. That's why I get to sing with her. For a minute. Because the worst thing isn't the last thing, and the story of Christmas tells us that Jesus came to die. To not pretend that the reality of death isn't hard and that it's sometimes a struggle and hard for us sometimes to really choose to hope. But Jesus came to die. And we as a community, we remind each other of that every week when we get together. We remind each other of the fact that Jesus came to die on our behalf. And it means the ways that we see death, the ways that we experience death in our own lives, in the day-to-day, it's not going to have the final word. Because everywhere the new Christians went, a riot broke out. And sometimes we can get too comfortable with it. Sometimes we can forget just how profound it is. But Jesus came to die. In the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, sorry, a a spoiler alert, but I don't think you can do a spoiler alert for a movie that's like 60 years old. But George Bailey, who's played by Jimmy Stewart, his life has just completely fallen apart. Some money has been taken and he's in debt and he starts to just think it'd probably be better if I wasn't around. And he goes out to a bridge and he finds an angel there, although he doesn't know he's an angel until they talk for a minute. And the angel then says, well, let's see what this world would have been like without you. And in that moment, he starts to realize that his life has been significant and it's important. And even though there's this thing which seems insurmountable, in that moment he can keep going, partly because he just looks around the differences that he's made. And then there's this iconic scene where his community comes around him, and they help him get rid of the debt, and there's just this moment of celebration. Let's watch that together. She told some people you were in trouble and They scattered all over town collecting money. Didn't ask any questions, just said, mm-hmm. George, in trouble, and tell me, you never saw anything uh, like uh, it spread another like fairies. Now then, run on the bank. Here, George, Merry <laughs> Christmas. Now, don't push. There we are, the line Farm's on the right. George, on the right. I get a <laughs> <laughs> <Next>. <laughs> all right. yeah, you are, George, you got the out bit. Here's something beautiful. Oh. <laughs> I wouldn't have a roof over my head if it wasn't for you, George. Just a minute. Just a minute. Hey, quiet, everybody. Quiet. Quiet. Now get this. It's from London. Oh. Mr. Gower cabled you need cash. Stop. My office instructed to advance you up to $25,000. Stop. Hee oh. haw and Merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright. Oh. Oh. scene, because the only word you can use to describe it is chaos, and you can't even really hear what's going on. But I hope that if you ever have a moment like that in your life, and there's going to be times when the darkness seems overwhelming, that you look around. That At times you reach out, it's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to admit that you've got a problem. But when you see just the, the chaos that is happening in this scene, you see the power of someone who is facing an extremely dark situation. But thanks to an angel that helps bring him to his senses, and at the beginning of the movie, the prayers of people who are praying for him as he's lost help him to realize. But the thing that seems so terrible that's just all-consuming in this moment just isn't the last word. We're going to share in communion now. And as with last week where we had a chance to smell the frankincense in the back of the room, we have some, some myrrh. And as I mentioned, we're not going to give out gold bars next week, sorry. But you'll have a chance to go and, and smell the myrrh that's back there on the table that is right next to communion. And I hope that the reflection on this gift helps you to always remember that that Jesus is born to die. And that's the best news that we could possibly have. Because the thing that that we struggle with, the thing that's hard, and as I mentioned with my friend Sadie who I've been visiting with, that's common when, when people come to the end of their life and even if they've maybe tried their best to believe in God for their entire lives, like when it actually is happening, it's hard. But That's normal. The best news of the Christmas season is that Christ came to die. And what seems like an odd Christmas gift is actually the best news possible. So wherever you happen to be maybe facing death and darkness right now, I pray that you would reach out during this season. But sometime in this next year, if you feel a little bit uh, more intensely that, please reach out. Let us know because the... Mystery of the birth and, and death of Christ is the reality that the worst thing is never the last thing. So may you remember that as you go through these things you're never alone. let's pray. God, we, we are so thankful for this season. we 're thankful for the Christmas season, which reminds us that, that Jesus came. To die. And that ultimately is such good news. Father, may we carry that hope with us when times are good, but also when times are bad. And if we feel like we're more alone than usual or we need help, help us all to be vulnerable and to reach out, whether it's now or in the future. Thank you for your body and blood which teaches us the lesson we need to hear often, that death doesn't have the final word. May we live like that as a reality. In your son Jesus name I pray, amen. Again, make sure and smell myrrh if you can on the table back there, and we're thankful for the body and blood of Jesus.